you know, one of the things I love about commercial real estate is that there's so many deals out there that have assumable mortgages. You don't see those in the residential space. And right now, those are the deal makers right now. You can get millions of dollars at, at three and 4%. Well, that can make a deal profitable where the deal at six or 7% may not be a good deal to do. Look, we all know investing in the US real estate can be incredibly rewarding but it can be pretty overwhelming if you're just getting started. In this podcast, we will turn you through the stories of successful real estate investors. Most of them were just once in our shoes, starting with zero investing experience, working at a W-2 job, or even coming from a different country. And yet, they have managed to build wealth and freedom through real estate. My goal here is to equip you with the right mindset, strategies, and expectations so you can navigate the landscape of real estate investing with confidence. Welcome to the First Gen Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Austin Wong. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the First Gen Real Estate Podcast. Our guest in this episode is a full-time IT consultant and a commercial real estate investor. And our conversation is something that I'm going to be really looking forward to this time because it's around this topic of wealth and W-2 and investment and how you can kind of coordinate your life so that you can have this ideal financial picture that you are preparing yourself into. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Jerry Miller. How are you doing, Jerry? Great, Austin. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Good to have you here too. So let's get right into it. Who are you? Like, What is your background? Wow. Okay, so I guess I did my first single family home investment ooh, about 18 years ago. And for a long time, I just thought I'd have five or 10 of those and, you know, comfortable retirement. Well, about two and a half years ago, I made my first investment passively in commercial real estate. And the more I, the more I looked at it, the more I liked it. I dug in, I really researched a lot. I ended up investing all of my uh, rollover IRA into a solo 401k and fully invested my 401k in uh, four different um, limited partnerships with syndications and really was was all in and was quite happy with that. And the more I thought about it, I was like, why why am I not looking at, you know, getting more involved, becoming a general partner and actually moving into real estate as kind of a second life after my my IT world. And so I am in that transition. I'm probably about a year to a year and a half away from doing commercial real estate full time. And so I can chat a lot, lot about how do you how do you do this? How do you do this as an investor? How do you do this passively? How might you do this actively? So we got a lot to talk about today. Perfect. So let's unpack that intro a little bit because I think you just mentioned something that is quite interesting. You said you mentioned something about the rollover of your IRA or 401k mm -hmm. into real estate syndications. Can you just unpack a little bit? What does that really mean? Absolutely. So a lot of people don't realize that, you, you know, you've probably been working your W-2 all this time and you kind of do the 401k and the company matches and you forget all about it until one day you wake up and you're maybe in your 40s and you realize, wait a minute, you know, everybody said just invest and heads down, work on your day job. And, and suddenly you realize that you haven't really paid any attention to your retirement and you project that out to 60, 65. And you're like, wait a minute, I'm not going to get where I need to be. And that's that kind of happened to me. And, and so I realized I need to do something a little bit more aggressive, a little bit better returns than, say, the stock market. And so at that point, I went looking for other opportunities. And I eventually did find uh, investing 
into a syndication as a limited partner. I liked the deal. Uh, it's, it's what we call a value add multifamily deal where, you know, the idea was to buy a property that was, a, it was about 20, 25 years old. And, you know, we we're going to bring it up to market rents and, you know, give it a, give it a facelift and redo the parking lots and basically bring the rents to where they need to be, drive value, and then potentially exit the, you know, the property in like a four to five year time frame. And I really liked the, the, the project itself. Once I really understood it, it was something that I, I could get really excited about. And I waited probably about six or eight months, and I gradually moved uh, chunks of money one at a time out of that, you know, traditional IRA. I had it with with New York Life into, you know, once you set up the solo 401k, you literally can invest anything you want. It's it's almost like like a checking account. There are some rules around what you can and can't do with it, but the point is, it is fully self-directed, meaning that you can invest it in any way that you see fit. And so I've I've now done that with all of my retirement, and I've actually invested in a uh, in two deals as a limited partner outside of my 401k with my regular you know discretionary uh, spend outside of the protected accounts. So let's talk about this investment strategy a little bit because you mentioned something that is kind of by default that everybody who has a W two would do, which is contributing your pre tax money into an account. And company gives you some matches, and you invest those money into the stock market in a four hundred one k for the next that's right thirty years. Mm -hmm. And can you just give us a little bit more concrete brass tech? Like, what exactly is it that you find that strategy is a problem for you, not a solution for your retirement? Well, so there's a there's a couple of challenges when when you look at traditional thinking with four hundred one ks. You know, invest in the stock market. They basically say, hey, you know move to more and more bonds as you get closer to retirement age to reduce that volatility, right? The the, the challenge with, I've, I've always been a big stock guy. I've always liked stocks over bonds because over time, the rates of return are better. Well, if you happen to try and retire and say, you know, 2021, where inflation was 11% and the stock market had a net loss, you know, it really, really clobbers your nest egg because the conventional wisdom is you take 4% out of whatever your nest egg is and you 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 live on that you know over time well the problem with that is your 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 earnings are going to stop so you have no way to continue to add more in there but inflation and other factors can can cause your money to to sort of lose its purchasing power and so when i looked at that i realized that i don't want to try and get 25 times earnings right so if if you make 100 grand a year the 4% rule means you need 25 times or $2.5 million to be able to comfortably retire. And, and when you take a look at commercial real estate, if you had $2.5 million you know, invested you know, 25 different syndications, 100 grand each, you would be so far better off than having that money in the stock market from a, from a rate of return standpoint, from what we call a cash on cash. That's the amount that's actually paid out, like, like the dividend of the stock. And I just feel like, I like having my money, you know, in in commercial real estate over the stock market once I truly understood the underlying fundamentals. I love that answer. So let's go into a little bit of this the true fundamentals that you have mentioned when mm -hmm. we're looking at a a pretty traditional 401k that just invest in let's say Vanguard, QQQ, just the whole index fund mm -hmm. versus putting this money into basically into your own control and invest in different real estate deals that you see fit. 
like let's go into really the fundamental differences here. When you put a self-directed IRA and put it into those funds, what is happening? What like in terms of a cash perspective, why is that more attractive for you? Great question. So uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, real estate and and how how I made the transition, and then that might resonate with with some of the listeners here. So in my case, within commercial real estate, there's a lot of different asset classes. I really focused in on one that was multifamily, aka apartments. I understood them. Uh, I've, I actually own a fair number of single family homes, so I thought I knew commercial real estate. I would say for those of you out there that truly understand residential, you you don't know commercial, respectively. There's a lot that I learned that was fundamentally different, and and, and there are some things that that you do need to understand if you're going to invest in commercial. And that primarily is how do you value a commercial real estate property? And it all comes down to what is the net income and what are you forecasting the net income to be in the next you know two, three, five years? Um, but back to the way I invested, I invested in, uh, I took a portion, uh, kind of a minimum portion of a lot of real syndications are between 50 and 100 grand. So I invested 100 grand, which in, into a, a uh, multifamily, it was a value add. So it was an existing property. Uh, it was going to cash flow on day one. And the operator told us, hey, probably the first three months, we're gonna, just going to you know, get a little extra reserve. And then we're going to start paying out a quarterly dividend, probably in the three to four to five month time frame. Uh, the forecast was for a 6% cash on cash. That's the amount that they're actually planning to pay out in the dividend. And the estimated average annual return, I think was right around 16% which really just means that your money is likely to double in a five-year hold period. And so that's what, what I invested in. Uh, I was super comfortable with that. The, the, uh, the actual payments actually came out exactly what the, what the operator said. And so I was comfortable to then move the next chunk of money in. For my second position, I chose a, a raw land deal, uh, which raw land deals are a lot like growth stocks. They tend to have greater possible appreciation but during the land during the construction there's nobody living there there's no you know there's no rent there's no net income it's a pure they're going to spend money and then at the end of that we hope for a, you know a nicer return and so i felt like i had the balancing uh, let's call it the dividend stock for the value add play and then i had the growth stock in the 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 land development deal um and so first one was multifamily value add second one was development i love this answer jerry especially i think if i have to like extract what you said at a super high level the number one thing i've heard is you understood them you understood how it worked because at right. least for me it's really hard for me to understand the stock market you know not even the single company or just the entire stock market and how it moves but when you are making that investment choices you're actually saying okay I'm investing in this deal for like 100K and this is the exact 6% cash on cash that I should be expecting. This is how it works. And this is the holding period that I'm looking for. So it's kind of a more fundamental understanding of the mechanics behind where your money is going. That's right. That's right. And I would say that for anybody out there that that doesn't understand how, how do I how do I calculate net value? How do I you know calculate the valuation on a building? Uh, your operator should more than understand that, right? Your general partner operators, same thing. Uh, I asked my first uh, operator just a, a million questions. He probably got tired of answering them, uh, but he did a great job. 
And you know, the more I understood the calculation on the net value, and, and it gets it gets very detailed. It's a line by line thing. It's not it's not necessary that the limited partner understand every line item, but you do need to know the basics. The and, and at a very very high level, we take the the net income uh, is calculated by your we we do the we do the net revenue less the you know less the expenses. And when I say net revenue. I don't mean we assume that everybody pays every month, right? The the real world is that there's a 7% nationwide occupancy rate and there's a 3% bad debt. So we knock off 10% off the gross rent. And then, of course, we have to pay off all of our expenses. And everything that's left over is what we call the net income. So that's how much money that property is generating. Now, this is independent of the actual debt. So we, we do have to have you know paid debt service, but this is independent of whatever the debt is. So when we look at net income, then we then we divide by what's called the cap rate. The, the capital rate, typically five to six percent, is pretty normal. So what does that mean? That means for a million dollar for a property that 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 costs a million dollars, a six percent cap rate means it's generating six percent or sixty thousand dollars a year or five thousand dollars a month in net income. When you understand that, then you can understand that if I can increase net income by some percentage it significantly drives the valuation on that property the multiplier for a for a 6% cap rate is 16.6 it's 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 just just the inverse there so multiply if you can drive uh, another $100,000 a year in net income that's worth 1.6 million dollars for that property it's a massive number it it when you realize that and you realize all of the things that you can do within the marketplace to raise rents you realize that that yes, this can be done by, by an experienced team that knows what they're doing. It is very possible to, to drive significant net income and to drive significant returns for passive investors. Love that. And especially what you shared is basically the idea of how valuation works in real estate. And you know that what you're investing into is going to be created with more value as the operations of the team is making is doing their work, basically. So as you're kind of making these investments on one investments and then you see it works, and then the other, how does having a W2 on the IT consultant side is kind of combining with the investment side of things to your own financial picture? Like, where does that look like? Are you thinking about moving to real estate full time? Are you thinking about continue having an IT job on the side as a good income? Like, what, what is your process there? So great question, Austin. So in my case, I really love my job. I'm, I, I, I do I do software consulting. I've done it for a lot of years. You know, like anything else, you, you do something for a long time, you get good at it. That's that's not too hard. And I truly enjoy my day job. But I do I, once you get bit by the commercial real estate bug, it is it is incredibly addicting. I, I love the people that I work with. I love transforming projects. You know, I, I love making money with a with a project. It's it's just something that I can definitely see me doing. And, and the really cool part is. That's what retirement looks like to me. It doesn't look like sitting on a beach somewhere drinking, you know, margaritas. It, it's it's actively doing real estate, but I also will have the time and the money to also, you know, go travel with my wife. So, you know, uh, when that happens, I, I would say when when I'm comfortable with it, uh, I do have a target of a of a of a year and a half out. It happens to be when I when I turn sixty. But the reality is that because I love the day job. It doesn't have to be on a set time. It's whenever you know the stability of uh, the deals is generating the passive income to where I can comfortably step out of that W two. 
I love that. And I think that it's really this balance that you have that is putting you in a very good position where you have some work that you like, that you love to do. And at the same time, you're still kind of exploring the different passive income opportunities that you also like and love. Yeah. And that, it, I think that that's really cool to have. It, it's a really great place to be, you know, if, if for whatever reason, you know, a year and a half from now, if interest rates continue to stay up and maybe even go higher, it, it may continue to be a, you know, a challenging marketplace. Uh, although I would say that there are a lot of opportunities right now that if you look for them, um, you know, one of the things I love about commercial real estate is that there's so many deals out there that have assumable mortgages. You don't see those in the residential space. And right now, those are the deal makers right now. You can get, you know, millions of dollars at, at you know, three and 4%. Well, that can make a deal profitable where the deal at six or 7% may not be a good deal to do. So what is your recommendation for somebody who's just getting started in commercial real estate today? Find somebody that you just plain like. I mean, one of the things I love about real estate is if you don't like somebody, don't work with them. I mean, you, you got to enjoy what you're doing. Find somebody that loves what they're doing. I'm very passionate about real estate and, and it shows. Um, find somebody that you like and then get an education. How do you get an education? Come on, the internet today, you you can Google podcasts and you know YouTubes and you, you can Google all things real estate. Um, I would say check out you know real estate groups you know near you and just go to a couple. Some are going to be duds. Some might be useful. And then there's there's conferences you know nationwide that that you know teach a lot about uh, a lot about investing. We'll talk a, a lot about the economy and economic policy and all kinds of other you know interesting factors that play into the space. But at the end of the day, you want to find a network of other interested investors, uh, both active and passive, and just begin your sort of your journey. Uh, and you'll find that they're probably in the same place as you. They're looking for potentially, you know, things to invest in. They're looking for potentially a new deal. And you'll you'll get to a point where you have a nice small group of people who you've come to depend on and they know what they're talking about and you might do a deal together. And is that kind of how you started doing your first few uh, limited partner investments? Uh, yes, I, I I was pretty active on LinkedIn. And once you, of course, connect with one uh, syndicator, you know, LinkedIn will, algorithm will start suggesting others. Uh, I would encourage folks attend a, a number of webinars. I would say, like a lot of things, don't invest in your first one. Like, go learn what what looks good. Understand uh, understand the deal. Understand what you like and don't like. Uh, and then, you know, make an informed decision. I would say that, you know, probably 99 out of 100 of the people that I've met in the syndication space are great people. Um, and and there are not that many bad actors. Yes, they are out there, but just, you know, spend spend the time to get to know somebody and uh and you know, hopefully they pass the test of of, you know, knowing what they're doing. Cuz a lot of the times and this is coming from someone who is also pretty new to investing in the commercial real estate space, it's what you mentioned about if you just see if you like the other person or not, and that's just kind of the basis that you should go off of. That's something that I'm starting to kind of leaning more and more to as well. Because on the one side, on my analytical mind is saying, okay, like, you know, this deal, the number, like, here's how it works and this should work, but I don't know if something's off. And at that point, I'm like, you know what? If, if I feel something is off, something is probably off. Yep. <laughs> like, I feel like, 
do you have some experience like that where you're like, you know what, as I've talked to enough people, you're like, your sixth sense kind of kicking in. Yep. You know, I had uh, I had a friend uh, say this at a, at a conference recently that, that they said, hey, you know, finding a syndicator, it, it's a lot like a marriage in that there needs to be some basic attraction, right? There needs to be something there. And then after that, it's, are, are you comfortable with this person? Because you are entering into what what is probably going to be a fairly long-term, you know, business relationship. So you, you don't want to do it lightly. You want to make sure that whatever boxes you need to check, if you need to do a background check, that's okay. Like I've, I've, I've had that conversation uh, with an investor, um, you know, I don't, I don't mind those kinds of questions because that, that just tells me that you're just trying to do your homework. Uh, and I think most people understand the nature of today that there are some bad actors out there and folks are just looking to make sure that they avoid those. That makes a lot of sense. And especially just as a limited partner, if I'm investing as an LP, like my money goes into that, whatever that fund is for three to five years to seven years, maybe. And you really got to make sure that you feel comfortable with that. And that's right. That, so that's like, you know, there's numbers. Yes, there's track records, but like, are you comfortable with that? That's because it's an illiquid investment. Uh, very true. I, I would say um, you got to get comfortable with several things. Mm -hmm. The illiquidity is one of them. But as I remind some of my investors, if your money is in your 401k or, or your IRA, it's illiquid anyway. Like it's, it's not like, you know, you have easy access to it, uh, assuming that you're not going to retire in the next you know, five to seven years. Um, but some of the other things are passive is, is a two-way street. Passive means nobody's going to interrupt you in your day job and, and demand that, you know, you you take some action on one of these investments. Once you invest, you know, you, you're going to sit back and, and hopefully wait for the for the projected returns. But on the other side, you lose all your control, right? A lot of people want control. And, and I understand that. But if you want control, then you want to be an active partner. And that means you have to allow a certain amount of your time to whatever that active investment is. And I find most people today, the, the thing that most people have e even 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 more valuable than than their money is their time, right? Because they've got a wife, they've got a they've got a they've got a spouse, they've got a family, they've got a day job, they've got all the things that are making demands on them. And so retirement is just one more thing that is making a demand on their time. That makes perfect sense. And especially when they when you think about the time that you put into it, then the control that you that you know some people care about, mm -hmm. the question really comes down to what are some of the opportunities out there where you don't have to get stressed, where you don't have to invest time, just let your money do the work and let it grow over time. What are some of those opportunities that's out there that you actually truly understand how they work? And I think that's really what a lot of people don't really think about it's okay i have my money in the stock market but how does that really work i right. I, I know that i don't understand how exactly it works well I, I think a lot of people look at historical and i think that's probably true at commercial as well i, I would say pick an asset class i, I like multifamily because i understood the, the rental market of single families and there there is some similarities but but like we said there's probably more more differences than there are similarities, and and once you once you understand some of those, you you see where you know th there's a nationwide shortage of 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 housing. You know that tells us that housing is going to continue to be in demand, and so the 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 pockets where people are are leaving one city and moving to another, you probably want to be investing in that city where people are moving to because that means continued demand, and that you know 
supply and demand. If, the, if there's no supply and there continues to be demand, then the price goes up. It, it's a universal economic truth. Exactly. So where do you go about developing these type of fundamental understandings of the market and understanding of how investment works? Um, I would say it, it, it depends on kind of where you are. If, if you're a younger person, you, you absolutely can, can go to, uh, you know, you can go to conferences, you can, you can listen to these types of podcasts. And that, that's a great, a great way. If, if you want to get more active, you, you know, you can meet people at, at, at conferences and meetup groups and potentially get more involved. If you're looking to just stay on the, on the, uh, on the passive side, I would say there's, there's plenty of, there's, you know, more than likely you've, got somebody within your circle and, and LinkedIn and others where where they're where they're interested in, in commercial real estate and you, you can connect with guys like me. There, there's plenty of us out there that will will answer your questions and if if what we're telling you is resonating with you, then you know you're you're certainly welcome to take it to the next level, which is an actual investment. Perfect. Thank you so much, Ari. Where can people go out and find out more about you? Uh, so Austin, my website, it's, uh, Largo. So it's www.largogroup2011.com. Uh, you can, you can schedule a call on there. You can connect with me. Uh, I like LinkedIn, you know, Instagram and Facebook. So any of the social medias, you know, at the end of the day, you just need to talk to people, uh, about, you know, what you're interested in and see if there's, there's an alignment there. Cause there's a lot of opportunity out there. A hundred percent. Thank you so much, Ari, for hopping in and we'll see you guys in the next one. Thanks, Austin. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with someone who you know would find value. I would be so grateful if you can subscribe and leave a review. Make sure you join us for the next one. Mm -hmm.